You're listening to LibraryCast, brought to you by Somerset Libraries. On this edition of LibraryCast, we welcome Peter Knight, founder of the Gig Spanner Big Band. Also, we'll be welcoming Raina Wynne shortly onto this week's edition, and they'll both be talking to us about the forthcoming and ongoing concerts with Sort Lines, the combination of Raina Wynne's stories and words from the Southwest England coastal path and music from Peter Knight's Gig Spanner Big Band. I asked Peter what projects he was currently working on. This is LibraryCast. Well, the current project, I think, is I have to mention Salt Lines immediately. It's a very different concert than we normally do. How it started was that uh, John and Becky, who run Folkies Festival, sent my wife Deborah a book by Raina Wynne called The Salt Path. And their story is absolutely extraordinary. And, of course, around the Salt Path is a wealth of traditional songs and tunes. And my wife's idea, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could collaborate with Ray? And would she be interested in working with us on on a show that involves her words and our music? And my wife wrote to Ray, and as it turns out, she was a Gigspanner fan and an Edgelarks fan. So that was uh, that was all good. And she jumped at it. She said, absolutely incredible, would love to do that. And what was even more incredible was that after we found songs that were related to the, the Southwest Coast Park, Ray has actually written completely new words for this project in response to the music. And what she's come up with is absolutely extraordinary. How did you begin putting music to the words? Well, obviously, we, we tried to find songs that would reflect what Ray and Moth experienced. And that was probably the, the difficult thing, really, because there's a multitude of songs out there. But we wanted to try and find songs that carried some sort of message that would have something to do with Ray and Moth's journey and it was myself and Hannah and Squeezy John that worked on the material and also you you have to try and choose a song that you would want to sing or play anyway and that would be good for the gig spanner big band and it was only the rehearsals that really sort of cemented that to say yes we've made good choices here the concert flows beautifully with the, uh, with the choice of material. So we're very pleased with the material that we've chosen. That was Peter Knight. I caught up with Raina Wynne just before her visit to Yeovil. And Raina, when you look back to when you were a young person, age 10 or below, did you ever imagine that you would be an author one day? Oh, that was my childhood dream. I really, really thought I was going to grow up to be an author and have a penguin on the spine of my book. I'd, I'd gone through those early years of life reading books like Tark and the Otter because I just loved that sense of being the otter, being in the water, being part of the river. But then I also read up lots of sort of adventure books and, and I really thought 
that's what I was going to do. Scribbling lots of stories on bits of paper and shoving them in books and in drawers and have turned up years later. Sadly, um, that didn't happen. I became a teenager and life took me down a completely different route. And um, it wasn't until many decades later that I actually finally got around to writing. The book, The Salt Path, was created out of some real major impacts on, on you in terms of having to get out quickly and become homeless and also virtually living on benefits. And yet you look at the times that we're living in now, things haven't got better, have they? Not for many people. I think at the moment we're all facing a very, very difficult winter. Um, that was so hard for us because um, we'd lived in that house, restored it, created a business there, everything. It had been our, our dream place, uh, but we'd had this financial dispute with a friend that ended in a court case and saw us being served with an eviction notice and they gave us a week to pack 20 years of life into boxes and it was in that week that my husband Moth was diagnosed with a neurodegenerative disease that has no treatment and no cure and I think in that moment then as we were leaving the house for the last time there was a real sense of having lost everything not just our all our material possessions but or everything that we thought our future would hold too had just disappeared. And uh, then in that moment, that's when I saw a book in a packing case, uh, a book that had been written by a young man who walked the Southwest Coast path. And um, just in that awful moment, the idea of just putting a rucksack on our backs and walking seemed like the most obvious thing to do. And that walk became the salt path. And it was difficult and it was really hard. And we were living on, at times, £30 a week. And that was all we had between us. And it doesn't go far. So I, I completely understand the position a lot of people are going to find themselves in this winter. And they need all the help we can give them because it's going to be very difficult. Can you remember your first walking adventure together? Yeah, we were both really interested in the, in the countryside. I'd grown up on a farm, so it was rural life was my life he'd grown up on the edge of a, a town um, but had always had a real passion for the wild places for the mountains for the sea um, and so we, we uh, our first walk together was probably in a peak district we used to go to a place called Dovedale um, it was a really uh, beautiful walk along a river in the Peak District and we used to walk up to Milldale sometimes. Um, so those were our early days there and then and then beyond that we, we started rock climbing in the roaches of Staffordshire on the, on the, uh, the rocky outcrops there and uh, those were our very early days together. When you look back at your books now, is there anything that has been missed from the book that you wished you could have included in any of the three books you've currently written? I don't know if I have actually missed much because when you read those books, you'll realise they're actually incredibly personal books. And what I've really done is probably put too much in rather than leave things out. And especially in The Salt Path, which I wasn't writing for publication. I was writing just for Moth at a time when he was starting to lose his memory. And I really wanted to capture the memories of, of that walk for him because it had been such a 
and this strong, such an important time in our lives. I really needed to hold that for him. Um, so I did include everything in that. Um, way too much information, I've got to say. Who needed to know about my bowel habits? I don't know. Um, but then going on, I think that probably followed through into the wild silence, a real sense of giving a lot of information in order to like paint a picture, because I think that's what I'm doing when I'm writing. I'm actually just painting a picture. And um, the more detail I put in, the more you can see the same picture as me. And so I think that's what I'm trying to trying to do. In the most recent book, Landlines, slightly different because I've actually had to cut quite a lot out of that because it was such a huge walk. It turned into being a thousand miles from the north of Scotland to the south of southwest coast of Cornwall. And I did have to, in the end, cut quite a lot out. Lots of characters that ended up in the uh, spare characters file. But the characters that made it in, well, they're, they're the shining little stars in the book, I think. How was it in Scotland, where the book Landlines is mainly set, um, in the your wildlife uh, notes? Uh, was there less wildlife than you thought you'd see? Yeah, the, the wildlife became a real surprise, actually. As I was writing the book, I hadn't intended writing so much about wildlife and the climate as I did. But then as I started to think back over that walk, I realised what a big feature of that walk it had been. We'd started in the very northwest of Scotland on the Cape Wrath Trail. In, it's the most remote, the most isolated trail in the country. And the wildlife was incredible. We saw um, white-tailed sea eagles and golden eagles and otters. And, you know, the hillsides, there were herds of deer and hearing deer calling in the, at night, calling to each other. I mean, it's, it's like that sort of ultimate noise of freedom of the hills somehow. But then we started to hear something else. And I, for a moment... For a day or two, couldn't think what it was because it was a bird that I haven't heard in the southwest for a long time. Cuckoos. Now, I mean, maybe they're in other parts of the country, but here in the south, I haven't heard one for years. But there in the northwest of Scotland, they were there in their hundreds. In every little outcrop of, of tree growth, there were cuckoos. And the more I started to think about those cuckoos, it was evident that they are being driven to the outer edges of our country, the outer edges where they still have the habitat and the, the food source that they need. And then further south, as we went further south and we came out of those really remote highlands, we started to see less and less wildlife. And the more people we met, the more traffic we met, the more we headed towards urban areas, the wildlife virtually just disappeared. It really sort of reached a climax for me, I think, as we crossed the Pennines. Um, the Pennines, they're just like this 268 miles of moorland, just this huge blanket bog. And it should be a wet place full of wildlife. But in the early weeks of our time on the Pennine Way, it was warm. It was July, but it wasn't a heat wave. But the Pennines were dry. They were absolutely dry. The, the boglands were blowing in the 
in the wind. Um, the streams had dried up, the rivers were just boulders. And then we started to see dead sheep, dead sheep every hundred meters and dead rabbits in a place where there was no vegetation, no shade and no water. And it started to become almost like a little metaphor for what we were seeing as we were coming slower, slowly down the country was the more human habitation there was, the more we had driven the wildlife away. The more the climate was changing, the drier it got, the less wildlife there was. And then the really horrifying thing was the Scottish midge. The Scottish midge is it's like the beast of the highlands. They, they, they flock around like, I, I mean, in the book I call them midge fog because it's so bad sometimes you can't see through them. But they're coming south. They're further south in the Pennines than I have ever seen them. So the cuckoo is going north, the midge is going south. I really began to realise that we were seeing climate change in action. I couldn't not document that. The uh, interesting thing I think I would like to get out of another book is the practical side. You know, very much on television programmes, you've got the actual story, especially David Attenborough, and then you've got the making of it. I would like another book of the making of how you put up a tent because I'm, I have tent phobia. You're just wild camping in water, in storms. And yet this tent seems to pop up. It can't be like that. Give me a few tips as to how to put up a tent. Oh, I think the key is to get a really great tent in the first place. And uh, we've, we've always had the same model of tent since the beginning of the salt path. And it was a used tent, but it's been incredible. But it's been like our second home really our only home at times. It's uh, It took a, took a while just to get a hang of uh, the crossing of the poles and some weird internal hooking system. But now we've realised that actually we can put that tent together in the dark, in the fog, in the rain, and it is up in minutes, just in moments. And I think that just comes from putting it up and taking it down every day for months and months and months. And, you know, it's, it becomes like tiny shoelaces, doesn't it? Let's talk about salt lines and the wonderful project that links up with Gig Spanner Big Band. Tell us a bit about the prose, your written contribution to the concert series. Well, I was approached by uh, Gig Spanner Big Band, the most incredible folk band out there, I, I believe, um, such incredible musicians. Um, the music they produce is just so powerful. So when they, they asked me if I would like to do a collaboration, I, I had to think about it for all of five minutes before I, I just yeah, said yes. But I had no idea what I would be bringing to that. I knew that we couldn't use actually use the salt path um, for various reasons. So I would be writing something new. Um, and I knew it had to be performed. So it would have to be some sort of like performance prose. I'd never, I'd never written in that way. And I'd certainly never performed at all, ever, never even a school play. But when I actually sat down and tried to capture the essence of the Southwest in a different way, in a different form of thinking about words. And it gave me so much more freedom, freedom to think about the vegetation and the landscape and to think about the, the heritage and the customs and the people of this area and disappearing traditions. And it's, it, was, it was a really fascinating process to go through, to, to find that those traditions of the past such as the things like the the 
withiers that made the willow lobster pots and and gaganzi knitters are, are slowly disappearing, but that we have so many other other traditions forming in the southwest. The, the you know people making incredible products that they find from things they find on the beach and the surfers, and because it's an evolving, growing, changing landscape, I think is is what we tried to put over. We um, finish on Library Cast by really talking about a story that is continuing and, and the effects of walking on our health and our well-being. It has been so important for you and Moth. And yet in the book Landlines, it's quite incredible that he is joining you on this massive adventure that doesn't seem to end. Uh, you're walking, this passion for walking between the two of you. Tell us a little bit about how walking has helped you but essentially has been healthy for moth in his difficult struggle to fight this disease um and the advice you have for others that may be struggling in their own well-being whether it be mental health or physical health issues that we may have why walking has been so good for you and how it could be good for us as well I think I think we all know now how how good it is for our mental health to be out in the natural world to to be walking even um, that it's it's proven now to be really effective in in helping our, our well being and, and mental health. But we discovered on the on the coast path how Moth's health improved in ways he'd been told were impossible. I mean he'd been told to not get too tired and be careful on the stairs. So we walked 630 miles on a path that has a scent equivalent to climbing Everest nearly four times. And his health improved, improved in all those ways we've been told weren't possible. So when his health started to decline again, it seemed like an obvious thing to do, to just try one more time, to take one more walk and to hope, basically, just to hope that that same effect would would occur again and that's what landlines is it's a book of a book of hope really but i think i think we are as a as a species we are made to walk and there's something incredibly therapeutic about just putting one foot in front of another it's it allows all the, the pressures and the anxiety and the problems of everyday life to just melt away because your focus becomes on the next step and the next step and in doing that not only does it give us time for for our problems to dissipate and for our thoughts to 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 find their own space but physically physically it reconnects us to to who we really are which is really physical beings connected to this huge ecosystem in which we live and that's such a incredibly beneficial thing to do and and hugely helpful for our well-being so good for everybody i think i've been in conversation with peter knight from the gig spanner big band and with Raina win who both will be appearing at the Octagon Theatre in Yeovil on the evening of the 27th of October. Raina Wynne will also be visiting that afternoon prior to the concert, Yeovil Library, where she'll be talking from 2.30 until 3.30 about her brand new book, Landlines. Her book, Landlines, will be available from Somerset Libraries 
and can also be purchased from good independent bookshops near you. You've been listening to LibraryCast, brought to you by Somerset Libraries. Thank you.